Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Hi, this is Kent Hunter, the Church Doctor. We're talking about the resurrection of your church. This is installment number six, How God Reignites Your Church. In our last installment, we looked at three general roadblocks, roadblock patterns, if you will, to the health and vitality of churches. Now, in this installment, we're looking at how God reignites Christianity. And so we're going to look at how God works in individuals and collectively in churches. This has been focus number one for Church Doctor Ministries for almost 40 years. It's been the primary way that we have approached churches. It has been our primary approach for consultations, training Christians in teaching events or materials, and guiding church leaders. In an expanded form, it is the subject of my new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival. The best way to think about how God brings real change to Christianity is to refocus or focus on how God changes one church at a time, how God changes one person at a time, how God changes me, how God changes you. It's important to recognize that This doesn't happen in a 10-week program. There are a lot of people who wish it did because we have enough 10-week programs to last from here to eternity, and churches are worn out by programs. The truth is most people are looking for a program to change their church. Many churches, church leaders, are looking for a program, and basically they're looking for a quick fix. If this was a quick fix, there would be a revival movement of renewed churches a long time ago. It's not going to happen that way. It never does, and it never will. Christianity and the renewal of Christianity occurs in an organic movement. And you can see this by just reading the New Testament. Why we think we can move the method of the New Testament to a 10-week program is a bit strange if you think about it. By organic, we mean you plant seeds in people, you nurture those seeds, you nurture those young plants, you grow those plants, and you take care of those plants until they bear fruit. That's the organic language of Jesus. And it's the approach that we have developed in Healthy Churches Thrive, the 36-month ministry with churches, which is actually a movement within a church. You see, you have to understand the greatest hurdle that we face among Christians is this awful propensity we have for a quick fix. We're so used to microwaves. We're so used to turning on our computer, searching anything, anywhere, getting answer to things that would otherwise in previous decades and centuries take a long time. Everything's at our fingertips. We carry our phones and we just punch in commands and it gives us power beyond anybody could even comprehend 50 years ago. But people change and churches change at a different pace. Think about Jesus and what he did. You know this much about the Bible. He called 12 guys. I'm sure he called more than that. And a lot of them told him to take a hike. They were going to go with Jesus. There's maybe one, maybe two listed in the New Testament, that just said, eh, you're asking too much. I got other things to do. And basically said no to Jesus. But there were 12, and they made it into the Bible. And that's the people we hear most about. 
12 guys that dropped their nets and said, yeah, whatever it takes, how long it takes, we're in for the long haul. Now, Jesus' basic pattern is very important. It's summarized in two basic words, invitation and challenge. Remember that. Invitation, come follow me. He didn't look for volunteers. He didn't start a big organization. He didn't have a marketing department. He didn't build a seminary. He didn't have a denominational headquarters. He just encouraged people, come on with me, come on along with me. Come on, hang out with me for a while. Invitation. After three years, not 10 weeks, three years, he gave the challenge. Go, make disciples of everybody who ever lived all over the world, baptizing and teaching them. And then he came full circle with the promise, and I will be with you always right up to the end. So if you accept that promise that he's with you, then you're ready for renewal and revival, invitation and challenge. Come follow me. Go make disciples. I really have a, a problem with the enormous volunteer machine that most churches have developed. And the ones that haven't are smaller and just wish they could. I can't find anywhere in the Bible where Jesus said, hey, can I get a volunteer? There is nothing about what we know about Jesus that would even put him in that framework of mentality. It just doesn't work that way. So if you're looking at people to help you with anything, start them out slow. Just say, hey, would you come out and hang out with me for a while? Let's say you're a Sunday school teacher. Hey, I do this Sunday school teaching. We've been friends for a long time. Would you just hang out with me in my class? I won't ask you to do anything. I just want you to come along and be with me. Oh, maybe once in a while, I'll get you to maybe help to watch the kids while I take one kid to the restroom or take one kid to the restroom while I watch the rest of the kids. I can't be in two places at once. Maybe you can help me cut out some of the lessons that we have for the kids. Will you just come along with me? When you look at the way Jesus operated, it's really a very simple system. It's been around for a long time. Other people have written about it. It's just, if you can remember four things, like four sides of a square, I do, you watch, or come hang out with me. I do, you watch. Then gently, number two, I do you help. Hey, can you help me a little bit? As you've gotten comfortable and as you've seen what I do, I do you help. Then the third stage, you do I help. I'll let you do more, but I'll be there in case you get into a jam, in case you get into a tight spot, in case you get flustered. I'll be there. Yeah, you do it. You've watched enough. You've helped enough. Now you do it, and I'll help you. But you do the most of it. And then finally, number four, you do I watch. Again, I'm there as a safety net, but you do the whole thing. I'm not helping. Unless you get in a jam. You do it all. Now, if that's the way we recruited anybody to get involved in the church, that would be biblical. And if each of them did the same, and then the same on the next generation of people, and so on and so forth, you'd never even think about asking for a volunteer. You'd have all the people you ever needed. Invitation and challenge. We make it way too complicated. Come follow me. Come hang out with me. Now go. You do it. Oh, and by the way, follow invitation and challenge. Follow those four steps. I do, you watch. I do, you help. You do, I help. You do, I watch. You can't improve on Jesus' method, although we sure try by inventing all kinds of stuff. Clutter. But those who followed Jesus, the 12, 
they were in for a reorientation of the way they understand the world and the way the world worked because Jesus introduced them to a different world. He introduced them to the kingdom of God. So he started a lot of his teaching with the kingdom of God is like this. Man was on the road from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, beat him up, took everything. And three guys came by to help him. First guy could have helped him, but he didn't. He was a religious guy. Next guy, no, he didn't either. And then a guy of a different culture, a Samaritan guy, who those people normally don't even talk back and forth with Jews. That guy, he's the one that helped him. So he took him and helped him. Not only helped him, but helped him beyond the immediate help. So he really be, would be restored in every way. And then Jesus said, yeah, that's the way the kingdom is. And then he asked them, so who do you think was neighbor to the guy who fell among robbers? That's what Jesus did. That's how the movement moves. It moves as we develop more and more individually and in our churches, kingdom culture. The more and more we look at what Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like, and we become more like kingdom citizens. And we bring along others, just like Jesus. We tell stories. He told stories about the kingdom. We tell stories about what the kingdom has done in our lives. Oh, you and your wife are having problems over money? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, we've been there. That happened to us a long time ago. Yeah, there was a time after we were first married, I was in school. Tuition was tough. Money was really, really tight. And we probably overcommitted to some things. We weren't very wise in those days. And it started to impact our marriage. And, you know, I don't know what I can tell you about you and your situation, but for us, we decided to go back to church. Or maybe your scenario is, and we've been going to church, but we decided to start praying together. Or maybe your story would be, yeah, I was in church and, uh, you know, we prayed and everything, but I decided to join a Bible class or a small group and really dig into the Bible and learn more. Now, if that's not your story, don't make it up. But if you became conscious of all the times God has worked in your life, if you've been a Christian more than five years, you probably have, I don't know, maybe a hundred stories. You just don't think about them. But if you would, and if you would see yourself as a missionary, you would come to a place where you would almost, in your mind, like catalog certain stories. When you ran into someone who had a need and you had an opportunity to talk about what God does, and what God can do, you pick a story and tell what God has done. You don't need to be a preacher to do that. You don't need to quote the Bible. They don't care what the Bible says at that point anyway. If they're interested, invite them to learn more. Have coffee, eat pizza, whatever works. Doesn't matter. Walk in the park, whatever it is whatever works for them. Pretty soon they're going to say, well, that's really different than my experience. That's right. Jesus said on several occasions after telling these disciples, come follow me, and then told them all these stories about the kingdom of God, kingdom culture. And then he said, yeah, my kingdom is nothing like this world. You aren't going to find anything like my kingdom in the way the world operates. It's different. And that's good. That's really good. And Jesus did this for three years. It's amazing when you think about it. You know what we found out? We started out doing Healthy Churches Thrive with churches. We thought we could do it in a year. Then we said, no, nah, that's not long enough. These people need more time. To get critical mass in a church, we'll go to 18 months. Oh, shoot, that doesn't work either, we found out after a while. So, okay, we need to go to two years. 
Then we went to two and a half years. And then finally, we said, you know what? We finally figured this out. This needs to be a three-year movement in a church. And then by that time, the movement can continue without our help. And suddenly it occurred to me, oh yeah, three years. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. Go figure. You know, sometimes we Christians are slow on the uptake. We should have started there. Whatever. We're all on this journey. We've just been at it for several decades. But in three years, your church can do a turnaround. Yeah, the biggest challenge we have with churches in Healthy Churches Thrive is that people want to call it a program. They want to act like it's a program. They want to put notices in the bulletin and make announcements from the pulpit or from church in church. They want to recruit people who aren't ready. They want to recruit them in an institutional way, in the big group way. And that's not the way Jesus operated. He went up to every one of these guys one-on-one, relationally, not institutionally. He said, come follow me. Would you come hang out with me? That's a big lesson to learn. Treat it as a movement. Yeah, that's our biggest challenge with churches. They default to programs so easily. We have to get on them all the time in a loving way. But boy, it's tough to overcome. This kingdom culture is as much caught as taught. I get a kick out of parents who say to their kids, you know, hey, don't do as I do, do as I say. And of course, the kids grow up and they do what the parents did. They follow the same bad habits because culture, values, beliefs, attitudes, priorities, and worldviews are more caught than taught. So it's no quick fix. It's not academic. It's more modeled than classroom. And that's what discipling is all about. You can't disciple a class of 50 people. You can't even disciple a class of 30 people. A class is an academic exercise. Classes aren't bad. They're just not going to make disciples. Disciple-making is a relational come-follow-me long process of values, beliefs, attitudes, priorities, and worldviews of culture, of kingdom culture. And until you get that, anything else that might have been valued to you in this series is just going to fall flat. And you can't start with any group of people until you have a critical mass of those who are wholly discontent people. Of course, if you meet an individual and want to disciple that person, and they're showing holy discontent with whatever they're challenged with in life, they're coming to an aha moment. Yeah, you can do that. You can disciple that person. But for a whole church in a movement of renewal, we first have to find out if there's a critical mass. But what we're finding out is that most churches, there definitely is. God is up to something very, very exciting. But God's timing, it's always perfect. So the experience is... The churches and healthy churches thrive for three years, experience a transformational change. You know the Bible verse, Romans 12? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by a complete renewal of your mind, and then you'll be able to do what God wants you to do, what's right and perfect. You know that scripture? See, programs conform, a movement transforms, and transformational change is the only thing that brings renewal. And renewal is the only thing that brings revival. And it's the only way that God will bring about a new movement of Christianity at this 500th birthday segment of the church. And so what happens is if you want a movement in the world, you got to have a movement in the church. And then it leads to other churches. And they infect with this holy infection called Christianity, other churches with kingdom DNA, values, beliefs, attitudes, priorities, and worldviews. And the posture 
of a country like the U.S., like many countries, right now is ripe for revival. Why? Well, that's one of the many things I'll tell you in installment number seven. Our hope is in Jesus, and we'll start with hope. It's powerful. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Also, if you'd like to learn more about this topic, please check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, in stores on September 12, 2017.